This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. We do a quick explainer today on a subject that should be of much interest to all, and that is on the newly proclaimed height of Mount Everest. So on Tuesday, the world's tallest mountain added a few more centimeters to its already lofty peak. After Nepal and China jointly announced the new height of Mount Everest as 8,848.86 meters. This is a revision from the earlier 8,848 meters that has been recognized since 1954. And with that, Mount Everest now officially gains 86 centimeters, or roughly three feet. The new height was announced at a high-profile virtual ceremony. With the presidents of both China and Nepal exchanging letters, and their foreign ministers in attendance, all aimed at showcasing a deepening strategic relationship between the two countries, for whom the height of the mountain has been a long-running debate. Why that's been the case, and why this new announcement has such geopolitical implications, is what we'll discuss today. And I'm joined by the Hindu's China correspondent, Anand Krishna. Anand, hi. Welcome to the podcast again. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Jayant. So, Anand, I, I guess the first question with regard to this development about the new height of Mount Everest is um, why is this such a big deal? Because you know whether the the height has changed by three feet or whatever it's uh, projected to now be changed by. Um, I, I'm guessing it didn't earlier make any difference to climbers or you know any others or cause any other such difficulty. So, why do we attach so much significance to this now? Well, Jayant, I think there are several uh, reasons at play here. As you said, it didn't really hurt anyone that you had a debate about the height. Uh, essentially, the situation was that China officially placed the height of Mount Everest as eight eight four four meters, uh, while Nepal said it was eight eight four seven meters. So they've been living with this difference of three meters. And I, and I should let our listeners know that Mount Everest actually just pretty much sits right on the border between Nepal and Tibet. Uh, this was a border that's been fixed, I think, since 1961, uh, and the summit of Everest can be accessed from both sides, both from Nepal and from Tibet in China. So they have been pretty happy living with this difference. But I think the larger sort of reason why this has become an issue for Nepal and China to do to have this high-profile joint announcement, which they did on December 8th in this virtual ceremony declaring the new height, was that for a long time Nepal wanted to decide the height on its own. This height that all of us have grown up on, this 8848 meters, was something that goes back to the survey of India uh, from 1954. And I think there has been Americans who've mapped the height. There's been an, an Italian survey on the height. But I think Nepal wanted to do its own survey. Uh, and it's interesting that at some stage, this Nepal survey has become a Nepal-China survey. And I think that goes to show this whole exercise of Mount Everest height in a strange way, has become something about geopolitics, not just geography, uh, which was why you had President Xi Jinping and the Nepali president exchange letters uh, on December 8th. You had the two foreign ministers in this virtual ceremony, uh, all kind of to show how Nepal and China were working together. Uh, and, and Xi Jinping has now come up with this, with this thing saying Everest is the peak of friendship between Nepal and China. So it's a lot of politics, giant, more than really something necessitated uh, by geography or mapping or anything uh, that would assist climbers. 
Right. Yeah. And just sort of just sort of go over the history of this a bit. Um, what's the what's been the discussion around the differing heights over the years? Um, has there been have there been other instances of measurements changing for Mount Everest? Right, Jayant. I think it does have a, quite a long history uh, going back many years. Uh, I think that that's why this big announcement on Tuesday has been trumpeted by both. Beijing and Kathmandu is, is settling this question of history. I think going back to the early 1960s when China and Nepal resolved their boundary dispute, something that China wasn't able to do with India and, of course, Bhutan, which are the only two countries with which it has unresolved land borders. Part of the settlement was Mount Everest. They decided that the border would run right along the peak of Mount Everest. So I think that the debate over the height is obviously something much easier to resolve than territorial debate. So, of course, there is sentiment here as well. Uh, I think that in Nepal, they're very cognizant of the fact that they wanted their own survey. Uh, and I think that when Nepal and China decided in 2019 during President Xi's visit, why don't we do this together since China has done its own surveys going back several years? And I think they've seized upon this as a very politically symbolic project uh, for them to kind of show to the neighborhood, to the world, uh, that they've worked together on something. And it's quite interesting, the political overtones, Jan, looking at what the Chinese foreign ministry actually even uh, had to say on December 9th, uh, the day after the signing of the ceremony, the spokesperson was saying that, uh, perhaps lay, laying it on a bit <laughs> thick, saying that the good news has brought hope to the world, which was plagued by COVID-19. Right. Uh, and he said that this is, of course, the 65th anniversary of diplomatic relations between uh, China and Nepal. And in his words, the new height of Everest symbolizes the new heights of China-Nepal cooperation. So there you have it, Jan. It's uh, certainly something, as I said, uh, that seems to have a lot of politics around it in the way that this announcement has been staged this week. Right, yeah. Just before we move on to those uh, those politics, uh, wasn't there also, um, I, I remember reading that during the Nepal earthquake of 2015, just after that, there was another sort of, there was another discussion about measuring the height of Mount Everest again, right? That's right. I think that's where uh, the recent sort of debates in Nepal seem to have been triggered. Reading uh, in the Nepali newspapers uh, yesterday and today, uh, I think that there was a sense among some experts in Nepal, it actually hasn't been proved, but there was a sense that the earthquake may or may not have changed its height, but it did necessitate uh, a, a, a need uh, for Nepal to try and carry out a new survey. And I think it's something that they've been working on. The earthquake was, of course, in 2015. And I think in 2017, uh, they launched a new survey uh, using different methods to get a more scientific uh, understanding of the height. Uh, and I think that two years later, uh, when China was doing its own surveys, they decided to coordinate their efforts, which is what they've been doing since uh, Xi Jinping's visit in October 2019. And the surveys, I think, happened in May 2020, where first Nepal carried out its survey, and then China did, and then they came up with uh, this new magic figure of 8848.86 meters, not quite 8849, but a slight right. revision upward of the number that we've all been used to since the Survey of India came up with it in 1954. Right. So let's just talk about the, uh, the equations between China and Nepal. Um, you know, we also talk about the uh, the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative. You know, as it regards China and Pakistan. Right. Um, just what is the what is the Nepal angle to this? Because I do remember you mentioned the statement by the Chinese Foreign Minister. Uh, it said something about, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, trans Himalayan multi-dimensional connectivity network. So, uh, where does Nepal figure into this whole Belt and Road Initiative uh, dialogue? No, you're right. Uh, I think Nepal is, I think, along with Sri Lanka 
one of the big partners of the Belt and Road Initiative in South Asia. I would put Pakistan in a separate category because the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, I think, is a project uh, which is kind of unique, uh, reflecting the the uniqueness of the China-Pakistan relationship. Nepal and Sri Lanka aren't quite in that bracket. Of course, Nepal and Sri Lanka have very good and close relations with India, and they have approached relations with China cautiously over the years because of the India factor. I think the current government in Nepal under KP Oli has been some one viewed by Delhi that has perhaps pushed relations with China more than any other government. Uh, I, I was in Beijing a few years ago uh, when Oli, during his previous stint, when he signed this ambitious uh, railway cross-border uh, railway project that is going to see a railway line go all the way from Lhasa in Tibet uh, to Kathmandu. It was something that I think was poo-pooed by strategists in India for, for the longest time. as something that would never happen. But Oli signed this deal. And then, of course, he, he was out of power. Now he's back in. And as far as I understand, they're working on a survey of this railway line that will connect uh, Tibet and Nepal, part of this trans-Himalayan multidimensional connectivity network, uh, which is going to be, uh, as far as China sees it, one of the Belt and Road projects uh, in the neighborhood. So I think there's no question... Nepal is a part of China's connectivity plans in the region, though there are questions of financing. It's going to be a huge effort to build this railway line. And I think one concern that I've heard from people in Nepal as well is that would it go in the way of some of China's other big projects in the neighborhood, which may be done in record time, but leave the host countries with a lot of debt and financing problems. I think those are some issues that both countries will have to resolve but I think as far as the political will is concerned, especially under the current government of Nepal, it seems to be very much that they are very happy to have a deeper economic embrace of China. Yeah. Uh, and just last week, um, you did another podcast, Anant, about how India should deal with its uh, neighborhood challenge. Um, uh, just Let's just go over a little bit of, I mean, I'm, I know that we started with Mount Everest and now we're kind of getting into a little bit more geopolitics. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, how the, that's the nature of the story, I guess. Um, should, should India really, I mean, does, has India, firstly, has India had anything much to say about this uh, in terms of uh, the height of Everest over the years? I don't think India has reacted to this recent announcement. And frankly, India won't because it's something that Nepal and China have done. At the end of the day, Everest is, is on the border of Nepal and Tibet and China. Uh, at the end of the day, you have climbers who do go to Everest from both sides. Uh, even right. if the Nepal side is the one that's favored by most people. Uh, for various reasons, including the difficulties of, of getting to Tibet, um, even though the infrastructure there, ironically, is is easier to get to base camp from the Chinese side. So I don't think uh, India will comment on that uh, specifically. But I think uh, one interesting thing is I think Delhi is, of course, aware that uh, it can't match China in terms of oh, rupee for RMB, in terms of Beijing's size of Beijing's wallet, in terms of how it's spending money. And actually, I don't think India should try and match China. Uh, rather than do that, I think uh, the way forward for Delhi would be to try and showcase that it offers something different, not just the kind of big ambitious projects, whether it's ports in Sri Lanka or this big railway that I just mentioned from Tibet to Nepal that, that make headlines, but yet can also pose problems such as debt and financing. I think if Delhi's approach should be to look at other projects, it perhaps will be more sustainable projects that it could do with other countries as well in the region, and projects that that, that kind of live up to the ideal that Delhi seems to be saying uh, in its criticisms of the Belt and Road, which uh, Delhi has been saying for the longest time is 
a China-dominated initiative, is one that lacks transparency, is one that leaves countries with debt burdens. But at the end of the day, India's criticisms of China and the Belt and Road won't go very far unless Delhi comes up with its own alternatives. Uh, to be fair, Jayant, I think there are signs of India doing that. It has stepped up its neighborhood diplomacy, as we explored in, in two recent podcasts as well. Uh, it has stepped up in many ways. But I think, of course, for India, always intent has never been the problem. And it's, it's more about delivery. And whether India can deliver or not, of course, is the big question. Right. But yeah, does, does China actually view India as, um, as a hindrance as it tries to build these relations in uh, South Asia, including with countries like Nepal? Well, that's definitely the opinion uh, that you see, Jayant, uh, in, in Chinese writings, what the strategic experts and newspapers are saying. Uh, we've seen that, I think, uh, just this year, uh, where uh, China has been doing a lot in terms of its regional diplomacy in South Asia post-COVID-19. It's had a quite interesting multilateral groupings that it's been setting up. It had a, a, its own kind of quadrilateral talk uh, with China, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Nepal. And then it recently had one more uh, sort of uh, sort of premise on COVID cooperation and the Belt and Road cooperation with uh, China, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Nepal again, which shows it is doing a lot. But at the same time, you do see Chinese uh, strategic experts all often complaining that uh, they feel that India is too suspicious of what they're doing in the region. Uh, and I think that Bhutan is a good example where uh, as we've been reporting on the fact that China has been making inroads uh, into uh, the border areas between China and Bhutan, where it recently opened up this village uh, in September, just a couple of months ago, on territory that's disputed by China and Bhutan. But what's interesting, Giant, was rather than acknowledge the fact that China was trying to strengthen its hold on disputed territories between China and Bhutan, what their papers were saying is, why is the Indian media making a big uh, song and dance about what is a China-Bhutan issue? So it's very interesting that even if uh, China is carrying out uh, sort of projects that many countries in the neighborhood may be uncomfortable with, the de facto sort of go-to explanation from China is it's always going to be India's fault. Right, Anant, I think we'll uh, wrap up the short episode there. As I said, um, we started off with one thing and we seem to have ended with something completely different. But uh, you summed it up when you said that the story is ostensibly about geography, but it's actually geopolitics. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.